It's time for the Steelman and Thune at Noon with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000 or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome in, everybody. How is everyone on this Monday? We are uh, nine days away from the Sooners-Alamo Bowl uh, matchup of the Oregon Ducks. We have a couple of NFL games today. No Baker today for Cleveland against the Las Vegas Raiders. No Case Keenum either. Nick Mullins will be going for the Browns today against the Raiders. And guess what, Mike? If the Browns win this football game with Nick Mullins playing quarterback, tied for the they're going to be in first yeah, place in, in the division. AFC North. Yeah, no doubt they are. And as as bad as it's been, as rocky uh, of a road as they've traveled this year, the Browns can be right there. The Browns can be right there. So we'll see what's going to happen in that matchup. You also have the Vikings and the Bears. The Bears are who we thought they were, by the way. Seven fifteen tonight. That'll be on uh, ESPN ABC, the Monday night football game, the regularly scheduled one. But you have the uh, Raiders and the Browns on the NFL Network at 4 o'clock today. And uh, both Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum, the backup, didn't pass the uh, the, the protocols. Uh, so, again, it'll be Nick Mullins, a quarterback today for Cleveland. Uh, still, uh, opportunity again for the Browns, as Parker talked about, to be uh, tied for the lead in that division, the AFC North, with a victory. Uh, what else do we have going on? Sooner basketball, victorious uh, yesterday over UT Arlington. The defense clamping down on the uh, Mavs early in that game, and the Sooners win by 20. They'll play Alcorn State on Wednesday. Oklahoma State lost to Houston 72-61 to in Fort Worth. You had uh, SGA with a buzzer beater for the Thunder Saturday night to take down the L.A. Clippers 104-103, and Oklahoma City will play at Memphis tonight. Remember when they played Memphis last time out, Back in early uh, December, it was Memphis winning by 73 points, the largest margin of victory in NBA history. But we've got, man, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff to talk about. Kelly Hines going to join us at 1235. The Myrtle Beach Bowl is happening today. Tulsa playing Old Dominion. So we'll talk to her coming up again at 1235. John Williams, Sooners Wire. Presented by USA Today, coming up at 135 today. And our first hour, as always, presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Bob Stoops, coaching up the Sooners, getting ready for the Alamo Bowl, which is a week from Wednesday night. 8.15 is start time for Oklahoma and Oregon. And remember, some of the departed coaches, Brian Odom, Jamar Kane, Calvin Thibodeau, are coming back to coach the Sooners in the Alamo Bowl which I think is a really cool deal. That's how you do it with class. Brian Odom and Jamar Kane are on the SC staff. Calvin Thibodeau is on the SMU staff. Yet, felt right for them to come back and coach this Oklahoma football team in the Alamo Bowl. And Bob Stoops, very appreciative of those coaches coming back to help him out. You know, the, the guys that are back, uh, Brian Odom, um, you know, Calvin Thibodeau, Jamar Kane are all back coaching the game. They're all back in the office on Monday. Um, really give it to those guys. That, that's really, you know, they don't have to do that. They want to finish for the players. And that was going to be their message for the players. They're, they're not responsible totally for all, all that's unfolded. You know, they have to have a job. They're able, they, some of them have to move. But their message is we're here for you 
for, for this week and a half to make sure we're in the best position to win a football game and we're going to work hard to get it done. And, uh, and I appreciate him being back. There you go. Bob Stoops off his uh, YouTube channel, Coach Bob Stoops, talking about those guys coming back. And uh, Sooner linebacker Deshaun White also thankful that, you know, Bob Stoops was able to step in amid all the turmoil. Um, it was big. It was really big for us. Um, we, I mean, we needed, you know, someone to sort of step in and, and help us sort of keep each other together. Um, really, he got in there with the leaders and he was like, um, you know, I know there's a lot of things that, you know, we really don't know right now, but most important thing is that we stay together and we all just sort of followed his lead. And, you know, I think that that was definitely what we needed at the time. So obviously really thankful for him. There you go. And Parker, Deshaun White has an extra year. We don't know what he's going to do yet. But it sounds like he's coming back. It does sound like he's sounds coming back. sounds like he's coming back. And it makes a lot of sense for a guy like him to come back and play for Brent Venables, right? It because does. Absolutely. If we know one thing about Brent Venables, it's that he is a linebacker whisperer. What Lincoln Riley is to quarterbacks – Brent Venables is two linebackers. He's coached four Butkus Award winners, including our own Teddy Lehman, over the years. So there is a lot of reason for a guy like Deshaun White to utilize his extra year in order to learn what he can under a guy that knows what he's doing like Brent Venables does. Yeah, and he is the linebacker whisperer, and I think he would whisper something like, we're going to kick their ass. <laughs> okay. Something like that. So, uh, by the way, Theo Weiss, we talked about this for a while. He was in the portal. We uh, we had both been hearing stuff about Theo Weiss is coming back. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen, and Theo Weiss is back. So he is the last remaining piece of that recruiting class, the first class in history where you had five or three five-star wide receivers in the same class. Uh, they weren't all five stars, though. I thought they were all five well, stars. And they, Depends on the service. It does de- well. It does depend on the service. The what we do, Mike, and the best way to look at things is go by the composite rankings, which mm-hmm. aggregates all the data from all the services mm-hmm. combined. And those services suggested, uh, as a collective, that yes, Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Weiss were five stars. Trajan Bridges was not, but I'm sure there was one one service out there that was ranking Trajan Bridges as a five star. I couldn't tell you offhand who that was, but. Basically, that takes the three major recruiting services, 24-7 Sports, Mm. Rivals, ESPN, and I'm sure on three will be factored in eventually as well. But uh, those are the sites whose rankings and whose data are all compiled into the composite. Are you going to be well actually guy on me today? Are you going to do that to me? I'm sorry. Are you going to be well actually guy? You know well actually guy. Well actually, no, I'm I'm just You know, it's just Trajan Bridges is long gone, so there's there's no sense in tiptoeing around it. Has his situation been adjudicated? yet do we know what, i don't what's know what's going on with trajan bridges i what, don't know I, that when i think about that whole deal and how stupid that was i mean it, it was just incredulous to me that they would make a decision like that uh all of those guys just stupid anyway um are the alamo bowl nine days away are you fired up are you starting to get alamo bowl fever Here's what they Is should Alamo do. Bowl fever a thing? Here's yes. Here's what they should do. They should send Jerry Schmidt down there with the team, and uh, he should pee on the Alamo like Ozzy Osbourne did when he went there. I, I don't know that Jerry Schmidt. Maybe he could bite the head off a bat. I'm not sure where Ozzy did that. I don't know if it isn't was biting Tony. the head off a bat how we got here, Mike. Isn't that why we're all still wearing masks and getting vaccines? Yeah, that's true. You're right. You're Probably right. don't that, want to do that. Because of the head being bitten off a bat, 
we are that's why Baker Mayfield's not playing today. Basically, if you want to if you want to travel that distance and go all the way around, that's really kind of the reason that Baker's not playing. Quite today. the domino chain yeah. to get to where we are. So uh you know, but the the lead story of this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, if you saw it in Orlando, I mean, father like son, it's Tiger and Charlie Woods runners up at the PNC Challenge. We had a whole cats in the cradle thing happening. It occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. Oh, he's got it right on line if it's far enough. Oh, what a shot! Unbelievable! That's the best we've seen here so far today. Wow! How about that, young man? T-shot, pop, make the two yourself. With char rhymes with star. Oh yes, it is. You know that Harry Chapin classic about the father and son relationship. But Tiger Wasn't has that, been there for his Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. that's probably not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. No, it kind of works, but, you know, yeah, the other dad was not really there for his son. Tiger, man, I mean, Charlie, 12 years old. And he can swing it. The man is going to win multiple majors. Mark it down. He's going to win the career Grand Slam. He's going to win at Augusta multiple times. He's probably going to finish, I don't know, maybe it'll be another Woods that breaks – Jack Nicholas's majors record. Maybe Charlie could get to 19. Putting big expectations on this kid, Mike. Well, he's I, I know you got this little Tiger Woods man crush yeah, in half yeah. for a while, yeah, but yeah. I, again, you said it. The kid's 12 years old. Could he be a golf great? Sure. Could he decide that he wants to go? Could he burn and be out like a, or something like that? Maybe I don't he just know, wants maybe, to be a stockbroker. Who knows? Uh, he wants to be a golfer. He wants to be a golfer. Okay, but you never you know what's so. going to happen down the road. You never know. But I, I tweeted out on Saturday, uh, Ryan Hibble offered Charlie Woods now, and he did favorite the tweet. So, Ryan, if you're there, if you're sitting in your office right now, make the call to Jupiter, Florida right now. Just ask for Charlie and just say, boomer. Because you know Oklahoma State's going to be in on him. So, you know what the key is? Getting in there first. Now, it's Charlie Woods. I imagine he – would you think he's getting attention already? From like oh, universities, yeah, he's got to. If for no I other mean, reason than genetics, because, like well, yeah, and plus, what he would bring to your program. Can you imagine the Sooners playing around? You know, at, at Jimmy Austin and shoot, it'd be like had, the Masters. Oh, it would be unbelievable. <laughs> the entire city of Norman would be yes. out there lining the fairways. That was a lot of fun, and you know, the main thing is Tiger was back playing golf. We didn't know if he was going to be back playing golf, just even with his son. I mean, he nearly died in that wreck, right? How long ago was that now? It's been a little over nine months. Wow. Yeah, almost ten months. And for him to get out there and, look, he used the cart a lot, but, I mean, he got one out there 310 with a driver on still a leg that is not completely healed, but, you know, it's enough to go out there and and play some golf. So, I don't know. I guess the question would be, can he get into – Real PGA Tour, I've got to walk four rounds at a place like Augusta shape. And I don't know if he can do that. You think we'll he's see. got another major in him before it's probably, all said and done? Probably not another major, but I'd just be happy to see him out there playing a few tournaments again. And if he did have another major in him, it would be at Augusta National. But um, my guess would probably be no. I think we probably are going to be stuck at, at 15. So... 
anyway, but that was fun to watch over the weekend, watch Saturday and Sunday, and just the the joy that you see because Charlie is Tiger's mini me. I mean, they had the Sunday red and black the on, Sunday red, yeah. and their and their mannerisms the little, are the same. I mean, it's amazing. The little uh, the little club spin, uh, yeah, after the all swing. of it, all of it. I mean, so much of it is it's just a carbon copy of Tiger. So. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, we want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems for bringing you our first hour. Seal Man and Thune here on The Ref on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Christmas Day is approaching, ladies and gentlemen. Christmas Day is nearly here. All right, let's talk about what happened yesterday in the National Football League. Man, the Dallas Cowboys get a victory. Arizona Cardinals lose to the Lions. Are you kidding me? Kyler Murray not happy about that. We'll hear what he had to say more when we get back. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Yeah, what happened yesterday to the uh, the Lions, man? They take down the Cardinals 30-12, to and, uh, you know, the Cardinals, they're, they're playing for home field advantage, and now they're a game behind Green Bay, and they've lost to Green Bay, so they're done for home field advantage. Mike, the team that just beat them 30-12 to mm-hmm. was a team that was 1-11-1. and and and, on the season. And the better quarterback yesterday was Jared Goff. Kyler and it Murray, wasn't close. Kyler Murray had a horrible day, 23 of 41, 257 yards, one touchdown, one pick. And the Lions, yeah, the Lions, this wasn't, you know, some Hail Mary or something to win the game. They went 30-12, to 12 and they went convincingly. It was not pretty at all. So the Arizona Cardinals are now 10-4 and four on the season. And I think you could say afterwards that uh, K-1 Kyler Murray was not happy. Obviously, we didn't come prepared um, at all. I mean, I think uh, I think that showed out there. You know, no no energy, no juice. Uh, just, just like we just we just didn't uh, like I said, we didn't execute, didn't come prepared. We got to be better uh, throughout the week. Next week, we got a great you know Indianapolis team coming in uh, that you know they're not gonna feel sorry for us on Christmas. So um, yeah, we got we got to lock in and be better. There you That's go, yeah. one of the more astonishing regular season it outcomes is. I can recall in the NFL. And I know they had DeAndre Hopkins out, and but still, it's the Lions. And um, I don't know. And, you know, you've got a lot of tech involved out there with Cliff Kingsbury. And there was a lot of tech involvement here in Norman at the University of Oklahoma. And look how it worked out with Mule Shoe. Mm, right? You're banging the Texas glorified junior college yes. drum again, huh? And I've always said you can't trust tech. In the end, you cannot trust anything that has some tech involved in it. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe what you're you seeing think, with the Arizona think Cardinals. You build here. some trust, and then out of nowhere, you get hit in the face with a tortilla. Could be. It could very well be. So, yeah, the uh, Cardinals, again, they do have, as Kyler mentioned, Christmas nights on the NFL Network there at home against the Indianapolis Colts. And what are the Colts all about? Running the football, Jonathan Taylor, who's in the, you know, Jonathan Taylor is more of an MVP candidate than Kyler Murray now. And look, Kyler's still a good quarterback, but he was horrible yesterday. And he's thrown three more picks than Baker has on the year. And who's gritting grilled all the time? Baker Mayfield, right? Man, Jonathan Taylor is so impressive. Like, how many players, Mike, have basically zero drop-off in their productivity from college football to the NFL. 
It's rare. I mean, like, no distinguishable drop-off whatsoever. Because generally, like, even the most productive guys in the NFL were putting up crazy numbers in college that they don't rival at the professional level. Numbers just aren't as crazy in the NFL as they are in college football. So the fact that Jonathan Taylor is still putting up the exact same stat lines on a week-to-week basis for the Indianapolis Colts that he was putting up at the University of Wisconsin, man, yeah, he's got my vote for MVP right now. And uh, they are big, physical. They're really good on the offensive line. The Cardinals have some injury issues, of course. So uh, I don't know. The Cardinals uh, may have peaked earlier in the season. They are now at ten and four after that loss to the Lions. Cowboys beat the Giants twenty-one to six. The Packers looked like they were going to blow out the Ravens, but the Ravens came back. Uh, failed two-point conversion second time. They had one against the Steelers. They had uh, the one yesterday against Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, three touchdown passes, tying Brett Favre for the uh, Packers uh, franchise record in that department. So, uh, once again, Aaron Rodgers, man, is a machine. And remember how crazy the offseason was for Aaron Rodgers? We th- we didn't even think he was going to be in Green Bay at one point. I know. And right? now it was he's on back. draft night where yeah. he was all but traded to the Denver Broncos, right? I know, and uh, so the uh, Packers with a really good win at the Ravens. Think about some of their road victories this year that they've had. Very impressive uh, when you think they went to Arizona and won. Uh, how about the Brady Bunch being shut out last night in New Orleans? That was a horrible game, 9 to nothing. 9-0. That, that, like, that was the final score of a football game, 9-0. to zero. A football game in prime time at that. So you had – Oh, that was ugly football. Yeah, you had Jared Goff winning over uh, Kyler Murray. You had Taysom Hill winning over Tom Brady. Um, you had uh, the Colts winning. We talked about Jonathan Taylor with his 60-70-yard touchdown run to seal it with two minutes left in the game. Uh, Bengals and the Broncos. The Bengals are still right there, too. Joe Mixon got injured. Uh, hamstrings going to miss. It looks like the rest of the regular season might be able to return for the playoffs. So, Samaj P. Ryan's Samaj season is what it is. Perrine, yes. Uh, the Broncos are at seven and seven. Uh, what else happened yesterday? Anything else interesting? Uh, Pittsburgh kind of hanging in there. They beat Tennessee. Uh, they get it done. Uh, Buffalo wins over Carolina. Miami over the Jets. Texans beat Jacksonville. Uh, the 49ers over Atlanta, thirty-one to thirteen. So you've got two games uh, today and tonight. Raiders in Cleveland, four o'clock in the NFL Network. No Baker. No Case Keenum. Nick Mullins at quarterback for Cleveland, Vikings and the Bears tonight on uh, the Monday night matchup at 7-15, and then two games coming up tomorrow night, and they're going to be simultaneous games, both kicking at 6 o'clock, Seattle at the Rams and the Washington football team against the Eagles. So there you go. How about uh, all the stories coming out more about Urban Meyer post his Jacksonville failure? I mean, just crazy if you think of all the things that happened there. Again, it makes you wonder, was Urban Meyer like this before he got to Jacksonville? Or did the NFL turn him into this, there's a word, I'm not going to use it, um, of a person? Mm -hmm. I, I think there was a lot of that before. I mean, like I said, one thing that you look at, the people you surround yourself with, I think, says something about you, who's on your staff and stuff like that. And he had Zach Smith and Tom Herman on his staff, right? Zach Smith's a psycho. Tom Herman is uh, not a likable dude, but he looks very likable compared now to Urban Meyer, who is kicking kickers, 
cursing his assistant coaches. He hired that strength coach who had a racist background. I mean, it's just time. And, you know, and he's grabbing booty in his restaurant, uh, blaming it, you know, trying to throw us off by saying, well, the grandkids, you know. What? <laughs> what do you mean the grandkids? <laughs> the grandkids might have been playing grab-ass games somewhere else, but you were grabbing <laughs> real. Come on. I don't know. It's just uh, he just doesn't seem like a very good dude. Right? I got into a Twitter fight with Zach Smith a while back. I can't remember what it was about. Did you really? Yeah. I just all of a sudden I think it was something I just I I can't remember what I tweeted. But all of a sudden I get a notification that says like at Coach Zach Smith quote tweeted your tweet. And I really don't remember what he was trying to beef with me about. But this was like a couple years ago. No, I mean, like, this was weeks ago. Where is he now? I don't know. On his couch somewhere? He definitely doesn't have a job in football. I wouldn't think so. Man, you talk about a meltdown. That was a meltdown. So, uh, you think the Browns can get this done against the Raiders? Oh, I remember. Okay, I remember now. I remember what we were fighting about. It was Caleb Williams. Zach Smith was on the soapbox saying that Caleb Williams sucks. Which, I mean, really? you, put, you put that take in front of OU Twitter, mm-hmm. which instantly happened as soon as he, quote, tweeted me, right? Because there's a large portion of OU Twitter that follows me. And so they were all over that. Like, by the end of the day, I think Travis was fighting with uh, Zach Smith. I think Tattoo Baker <laughs> was fighting with Zach Smith. Like, every notable the whole OU Twitter, Twitter space. account. Yeah, everybody on that Twitter space was fighting with Zach Smith on Twitter. So you're telling me that Zach Smith got ratioed. <laughs> that is the word, Mike. Mm-hmm. Look at you go. Zach Smith did indeed get ratioed. Hey, you want to know all about a hip old man? You just look right in this direction right here, all right? Just look right over here. So uh, how was the Twitter space this weekend? Did you jump on? Yeah, last night it was awesome. Who'd Kobe you guys, McKenzie dropped by. Kobe McKenzie is awesome, dude. That guy, uh, just hearing him talk. We need to get him on the show one of these days. We do days. need to get him on. We'll, I mean, we'll make it happen. You talk about an impressive kid. Mature beyond his years. Like, I'm immature. What's the opposite of mature beyond your years? Immature. Before your before years? Before your years. <laughs> yes, I guess. That's, oh, man. So I'm the opposite there. But, no, he's he's impressive. So Kobe McKenzie was on the space. We had yeah. Latrell McCutcheon on the space. Right. Uh, Danny Stutzman dropped by for quite a while. Oh, which last was a ton night? of fun. Oh, yeah. wow. We got to get Travis needs to make a uh, like a weekly appearance here. That's what he needs to do. Well, we can make that happen. Okay. So, and uh, Kobe McKenzie had the tweet this weekend about we're not done or something with the lock emoji. Oh, he emoji. had plenty of tweets. We're up to six locks, Mike. So, I mean, Jaron Kanek is going to end up at OU eventually. I mean, it's going to happen. It looks that way. Um, what else? What about the big defensive lineman from uh, that you've mentioned a couple times? Yeah, the Cardinal Gibbons guys Card- from Florida. Yeah, yeah. R. Mason, Thomas, and Ahmad Moten. Those guys are visiting next month, mid-January. So we're looking at these are these are spring signees, but they will wind up at OU. That's how it looks. And R. Mason Thomas is still technically committed to Iowa State. But if you're still taking officials at this point in the process, mm-hmm. right, you kind of get the sense that Iowa State's not where he's going to end up. And I think based on the fact that the plan is for those two to visit together, 
There's a there's a real good chance. Like if you're putting if you're putting your chips down, you're betting on Brent Venables to close that deal with our Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moten. Where by the way, uh, I'm sure everybody saw Casey Thompson enter the portal, uh, leaving the University of Texas. That's are, right. Are you hearing Nebraska buzz on him? There's some Nebraska buzz. So um, how how would that be that Charles Thompson's kid, who I still think has a lot of potential? Yes, he does. Um, Ends up playing at the Sooners' two big rivals when Charles is at OU. That would Texas be wild. and Nebraska. That will be wild. I will say though, I have a feeling Casey Thompson is going to hang in the portal until Caleb Williams renders a final verdict on whether he's staying or whether he's going. Because I don't think it's any secret at this point in time that OU is where Casey Thompson wanted to be and kind of always has wanted to be. Mm-hmm. There just was never a plausible path for him to be the unquestioned star. But we're still thinking that uh, Caleb's going to be at OU. I still believe that. I believe that also. All right, we'll break right here. Thank you to a great Sooner with a great company. That would be our friend Tim Lasher. Lasher Home Comfort Systems bringing you our first hour here. Steelman and Thune. Little afternoon on the ref, the home of Sooner fans here in the Brown O'Haver studios. We got a lot of things happening. Tulsa's playing in a bowl game and they're kicking off in one hour at the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Kelly Hines will join us to talk a little TU football and more when we get back here on the ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. All right, we uh, have not only one of the uh, best reporters on uh, with us, but the cat savior of Tulsa, the one, uh, the only Kelly Hines, who, uh, you know, in the middle of all her great work that she does and all the great writing she does, she is also making sure that cats in green country find a great home. So that is her official theme music. Kelly, you are in Myrtle Beach for the Myrtle Beach Bowl, which is kicking off here in less than an hour. Tulsa and Old Dominion. Uh, tell us a little bit about this match. Matchup, TU trying to get the uh, the dub. What's the storyline for you in this game today? I think it's about, you know, two teams that um, fought really hard to get to this game. I know some people say there are too many bowls, and um, just because you win half your game doesn't mean you should be here. But I think for both these teams, they showed how much it meant to them. Old Dominion had to win five in a row to get here. Tulsa had to win its last three. So um, it means a lot. And I, I think, you know, for both programs, um, it has significance. You know, Old Dominion's played in only one other bowl in their very short history. Tulsa obviously has had a lot of success getting to bowls, but not as much lately. So I think it, it means a lot to them, too. Now, Kelly, how did Tulsa turn things around? Because you mentioned uh, it, it did not always look like that this team was going to end up playing in bowl season. But they lost to UC Davis at home, right? Exactly. So, I mean, from your perspective, what changed for this Tulsa team to get them to this point? I think, um, you know, just, just things coming together. I, I think, um, you know, the offense uh, has been up and down, but the defense has really carried this team. And, you know, the schedule was difficult, too. Obviously, you know, that first game, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, not a great start. Uh, they were down a lot of guys in that game. And, and then, you know, the schedule was so difficult from there. And it was really difficult to, um, you know, gain any momentum. So I think once once the schedule got a little bit easier, they were able to win games that they should have won, you know. And, and then, you know, you're able to do some good things and get some confidence. So I think it was just a matter of, of you know, things coming together um, right about midseason. 
Kelly Hines, our guest, covering uh, Tulsa for the Tulsa World, and they're playing Old Dominion in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, which kicks off at 1.30. Um, interesting because the season began with that ugly loss to UC Davis, and then Tulsa goes to Stillwater, and they look like, you know, the Golden Hurricane looked like they were going to win the game, and then L.D. Brown has the long kickoff return to turn the uh, tide and put the momentum in Oklahoma State's favor, and the Cowboys are able to win. Then they go to Columbus, and for a long time in that game, they hung with Ohio State. I mean, their season is a little bit like college football in general, you know, this past year. It's just – it's crazy. It was almost like you didn't know what to expect. But, again, Kelly, they did close winning five of seven. Yeah, and I mean, really, my my entire time on the beat, you know, eight years of covering Tulsa, that's how it's been. You don't really know what to expect in any given game because this team plays really well if it's back up against the wall, plays really well against teams that has no business even being in the game with, and then sometimes struggles against, you know, UC Davis and, and teams that, like Navy, that, you know, probably have more talent than, and you just can't get out of your way with penalties and giving up kickoff returns and all of those things, so... They're a really interesting team to watch, really interesting to cover, um, because you don't really know uh, how any game is going to go, and that definitely has um, kept me on my toes for eight years now. Now, Kelly, you kind of talked about it at the beginning. You touched on it a bit, but what does it mean to this team to be concluding their season with a bowl bid, and what, what would be your response to the argument that, oh, there are too many bowl games in college football? Yeah, I think you saw um, how much it meant to Tulsa when, you know, someone like Jackson Player, who easily could have opted out to prepare for the NFL, um, because I think he is a true NFL talent. Um, you know, he was like, no, we fought so hard to get to this point. Like, I'm, I'm not going to leave now. And it just meant so much to him. And, and Josh Johnson, same thing, um, really good wide, wide receiver. Um, and, and I think that just kind of set the tone for, you know, the bowl practices and, and everything leading up to today when, you know, the best guys on the team um, – you know, they wanted to be part of it. And it's not, you know, obviously the most glamorous bowl. It's, you know, being played on a random Monday afternoon. But, uh, you know, it, it meant so much um, to the team to, to be here. So um, I think that that, um, you know, if, if it's something the players want, and I think most college football fans, you know, if they're able to watch a, another game on, on a Monday afternoon, I, I think that they'd be in favor, favor of it. So I think there's an audience for it, and they're – certainly players who want to participate. So I think that answers your question. John Michael Terry left OU to go back home to play for the Golden Hurricane this year, uh, his his last year of college football. Uh, how did his year turn out, you think? You know, he had an injury about midseason and, you know, didn't recover from that um, in time to, to get back on the field. So, you know, it's still really – uh, well-liked, valuable, you know, part of the team did some good things, you know, in the first half of the season. Um, just, you know, unfortunately the, the injury um, cost him the second half of the season. I'm sure if you asked him, he'd say he'd do it all over again. Um, it's just so unfortunate when you see it happen that way. All right. One last question. Uh, this is it. Shamari Brooks, right? Today? Yeah. Yeah, this is it. And uh, um, heck of a running back. Had, yeah, I mean, he's he's been really – fun to cover he's, he's a super quiet guy and so I'm always trying to come up with different questions and different angles and he's just like he doesn't want to talk about himself he has to talk to other people about him he's one of those types um but you know I think it was um you know really uh 
you know, his career has, has had some injuries, but for him to come back this season and, and really be a factor in every game, um, that's just kind of who he is. He's, you know, the toughest kid I think I've ever covered. And, you know, Tulsa was in on him before his, his breakout senior season when he was, you know, still a backup um, because of the guy in front of him, uh, you know, just having more experience. And then Tulsa saw him at a team camp and was like, no, we think this guy's going to be pretty good. And they were so high on him when he signed him. And, you know, he's obviously done incredible things in his career. He would have the program, um, you know, rushing record, if not for injuries, but still he's going to finish second, which is pretty darn good. So it's just been um, really fun to cover him. Okay, before we let you go, two important questions. I mean, you're in a glorious area. You've got to tell us, one, about the Myrtle Beach nightlife, and two, what kind of bowl goodies did the media get? <laughs> oh, I'm laughing so hard at both of those questions. Um, my media gift was my credential and um, being allowed to be in attendance here. What? So, um, it's, it's been uh, it's been an enjoyable few days. I am very much ready to go home. It's um, 50 degrees here, so the beach experience, you know, um, not as great uh, this time of year. But um, it, it, you know, it's not the high tourist season. I would say here, so um, everything has shut down pretty much at nine o'clock. So I've been able to get plenty of sleep. So um, no complaints. I mean, wow! I have How about that? Nine PM shutdowns. That's when I shut down on the couch, ladies and gentlemen, at my old age. And Myrtle Beach is shutting down at nine o'clock. And Kelly doesn't get a single media gift. That's worse than Shreveport back in the day at the Independence Bowl <laughs> in nineteen ninety nine when they gave us a set of Sharpies. And I thought about complaining, like, seriously? Come on. We're we're the media. Don't you know that? I don't think they care. So, Kelly, good stuff. Enjoy the bowl game and appreciate all you do. We will talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Kelly Hines, Tulsa World. How about that? No media gifts. I can hear the world's smallest violin playing for the media members there. (laughs) Nobody cares if we get a gift or not, but you used to get some cool swag. I mean, the players, what is it? The OSU players learned they're all getting PS5s. For the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, they've, they've been doing that for a few years. I mean, the PS5 That's, is hard to come by, too. I mean, you've got to, like, get it through, like, Heisenberg and Jesse Pinkman. They're hard to get. But the OSU players are going to get theirs. So, golly, nothing. Sounds like the Myrtle Beach Bowl was not the greatest experience. Well, either that or it's operating on a shoestring budget. Probably, which, yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> aren't we all these days? Aren't we all? All right, we'll break right here. Thank you again to Last Year Home Comfort Systems, bringing you hour number one, Steel Man and Thune, here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with these bowl games and a little more recruiting news coming up. We have John Williams, Sooners Wire, presented by USA Today, on the way at 135 today. Stay with us here on The Ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. All right, welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the rep on your Monday. Appreciate you guys and ladies being here. Thank you so much. Air Comfort Solutions text line 
Always available to you, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Let's get there right now and get to some of your texts today. Got some rolling in? That we do. Uh, one of our listeners brought up the fact that uh, Josh Henson, the former offensive line coach at Texas A&M, SC. is headed to USC yeah. to join Lincoln yeah. Riley. Former OSU they, guy, too. And the right? rumors are out there that Lincoln Riley is taking a big swing to try to get DeMarco Murray away from OU as well, which, in all honesty, I don't see any way that happens. No. But no. Apparently that, that's, apparently that that's dude, a thing. I mean... Mule shoe, I'm telling you. That man, very disappointing. Very disappointing. I haven't seen you at a loss for words like that often. I know. I'm just sitting here thinking what I really want to say I can't say. But, (laughs) dude, just go do your thing and quit raiding all the stuff. You know, just DeMarco Murray is a sooner, all right? You're a tech guy. Go get some more people from tech, all right? You know what what his pitch probably sounds like? (laughs) Imagine you're DeMarco Murray, and you get a phone call, and it's old Muleshoe trying to pry you away from USC. Yeah. And it sounds like this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just, come on, man. Leave DeMarco Murray alone. Let him go about his business, all right? DeMarco Murray will not leave. I am almost I am almost 100%. I, look, you can't be 100% certain about anything in college football these days. Well, yeah, and, and you know, it depends on, um, you know, money and all of that stuff. But, man, I, some of these guys have seen the reaction. I mean, Lincoln Riley, deep down, was not a Sooner, Right. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the, he was the coach at OU, so he'll have a little bit of that, obviously. But DeMarco Murray is. How about Tashard Choice, by the way? The coaching carousel. How about his choice? Mm-hmm. Going to Texas, right? That's a former Sooner. I, I know. Now the and running backs coach at Started Texas. at OU, went to Georgia Tech, and, uh, yeah, now the running backs coach. This is a crazy – I don't know, like, I, here I am, old man, slippery slope guy, but there's just <laughs> too much out there that's it's crazy. It's too chaotic for me. Interesting point from one of our listeners via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, I believe this came in when we were talking about the fact that Casey Thompson had hit the transfer portal. Right. Texas is all in with Quinn Ewers, but taking Ewers – will likely take Texas out of the Arch Manning sweepstakes. I knew that the Arch Manning thing was coming when you said that. Um, I don't know. You know, Parker, of course, thinks that Arch Manning is completely 100% overrated, right? Okay, listen, let's not <laughs> let's not misconstrue what I said. You said Arch- he's a four-and-a-half star, not a five? I, I would take Nick Evers over Arch Manning. Because of... Just because overall talent, I think if you put any other name on the back of Arch Manning's jersey, mm-hmm. he's about on Nick Evers' level in terms of his recruiting. Um, so if he was Arch status. Jones, he wouldn't be quite as ballyhooed. No, he would not. That's an old school Arch description. Jones. Ballyhooed, the very ballyhooed recruits. On Urban Meyer, one of our listeners says the grandkids stressed him out so bad. 
He just needed something to squeeze to relieve his stress. <laughs> Haven't you ever been there? Oh, I like that. I like that. Keep him coming. 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions ooh, text ooh. line. Okay, Slippery Slope Mike is going to love this question. Okay, good. With the acceptance of bowl opt-outs, are mid-season opt-outs coming? Well, we've got mid-season coach, coaching uh, changes, right? At least firings because everybody – Something's going to come out where they're going to change the signing period. There's going to be something. They've got to do something about this. And I think we're going to see a change in that respect. We'll see. But nothing surprises me anymore. Maybe. I mean, that could be. Here's, what do you think? Here's why I think I – here's why I would say it's not likely. Because in terms of the NFL scouting process – they are having all sorts of conversations about the guys they're identifying as potential draft picks, and it doesn't all have to do with their ability on the field, right? It has to do with their attitude, their academics, everything that makes up the person that they are. If a player leaves their team midseason, what kind of a message does that send? And how is that going to be construed in the minds of scouts? They're going to look at that and say, oh, that player quit on his team in the middle of the season. Yeah, yeah, there could and be some of that. that and that's point, one of the things we said about Spencer Rattler, and he stayed the season and I thought handled it as best he could, and that's why I hope he does very well for Shane Beamer at South Carolina and Austin Stogner as well. I just don't foresee a circumstance. And look, that could always change when you have a generational talent, right? Let's say, for instance, that Quinn Ewers, who was the consensus number one overall prospect out of high school, say two years from now he's the consensus number one overall prospect in the NFL draft because let's just say for the sake of the argument, he's thrown for 6,000 yards and 50 touchdowns two years in a row and won consecutive Heisman trophies. A guy like that, he could opt out midseason and he's still going to probably get drafted first overall. So... Talent smooths over a lot of character flaws in general, but your average player, even your average high-end star player, is not going to see his draft stock stay stagnant if he elects to opt out midseason. His stock is going to fall because that's not the type of thing that scouts and GMs and front office executives are going to respect. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. All right, uh, we're wrapping up our first hour. Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, they still got some great promotions for you. The $100,000 red carpet rollout, big promotion. Drawing is coming up on New Year's Eve. Win your share of $100,000 in cash and bonus play. Uh, not only are they calling out all those names and have uh, the winners that they'll have from 6 to 11.30, but four grand prize winners selected to win over $2,000 in cash and bonus play. One grand prize winner will be selected to win at least $20,000 in cash and $5,000 in bonus play plus unclaimed cash. So it's going to be a big night. New Year's Eve, the red carpet rollout at Riverwind. we got a rollout of the first hour. We've got another award-winning, hopefully, hour coming up here on The Ref. Keep it here. It's time for the Steelman and Thune at noon with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. 
Hit the guys up on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000. Or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Ah, uh, yes, hour number two on a Monday. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, we had a nice little uh, Christmas luncheon here today, right? I mean, that was good stuff, really good. They do it right here, don't they? That they do. It's a fine organization. I You think Mule Shoe even celebrates Christmas? Maybe. I mean. You think they even have a dinner there at Southern Cow? Yeah, Mule Shoe probably worked his way out on the naughty list. Probably some kind of yeah. salad or something out you there know, in California. You know, Santa wears crimson and cream, Mike. That's right. Not cardinal and gold. I bet they have a liberal salad. Probably some kind of what else do they eat out there? Tofu? Something like that. I mean, we had a we had a nice little uh, holiday luncheon here. The vineyards do it upright, don't they? They're uh, they're really good at what they do. Solid ownership is always look for solid ownership. Look at the character of the people uh, that are running the organization. It's very important. We probably should have taken a closer look back when Muleshoe was. The head coach. I know we didn't look. Uh, I don't know parts. if he was properly vetted. I don't know if he was properly vetted. Okay, uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Did Muleshoe do OU a solid by letting Odom coach in the bowl game? He's still a D-back. I don't know. I, I, I mean, think, I, so guess I I don't think that has anything to do with, with Muleshoe. I think it has to do with the contract that well, OU has with Brian Odom. That I'm fairly also certain. That Brian Odom is in Oklahoma, and he's, he's got an OU background, and I'm sure he – you know, he was caught up in the mule shoe tornado of debris that everybody had to try and survive. All those guys. I mean, what do you do? They had like an hour to make a decision, right? Now, it took some of them a little bit longer. But, I mean, I don't blame it on any of those guys, Alex. Any of those guys. No. What are you, you going to do? I mean, mule shoe just came out. And, you know, he made that decision, of course, in two hours, right? We were laughing about that holiday party uh, my stepson graduated from OU, uh, Boomer. Uh, and so we were talking to uh, uh, the Reeves family, and they do they have Landmark Fine Homes, which is another great company, by the way, and a sponsor here, but they're, they're awesome. You guys know all about Landmark. They're great. But anyway, we were all laughing about, yeah, the, the fact that he was trying to pass off that that decision was made in a couple hours. Can you imagine any decision with your wife? You know what? Hey, what do you think about going to California? Yeah. You're in? I'm in. Okay, let's go. I mean, come on. And we know, I mean, we knew what the live was all about there. It's all about the agent doing the bidding process and all of that. But, you know, I respect those guys. Brian Odom, Jamar Kane, Calvin Thibodeau coming back and uh, wanting to finish out with some class, right, and feel like they need to do that for the guys that were here that they built relationships with. And then they can go on to USC. And I wish them the very best out there. I don't wish Mulesu the, the best. I but. tell you what, the only people that had to make a decision in two hours yeah, were those no assistants. Kidding. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mulesu trying to say USC didn't contact him until late Saturday. And uh, this, this is all I hear when I hear that BS. <laughs> Well, and the other thing is, here's the deal, though. 
Here's the great thing about it. When it's all settled, OU's in a better spot. They're in a better spot. Yes, they I'd are. still like to have Jamar Kane and Brian Odom and Calvin Thibodeau on the staff. I think they're good coaches, and obviously they're showing the class they have with, with what they're doing. But you know what? They've hired what looks to be a great staff. I'm all in on Venables. I think he is, he's got the kind of attitude they need. I love the Jeff Levy hire. Jerry Schmidt coming back. Are you kidding me? If I could do backflips, I'd do them right now. I just like the uh, direction that Joe Castiglione want, wanted uh, and went with, with Brent coming back. And um, I, I just think it's the right hire in the situation that they were in and in the situation they're going to be in eventually in the SEC. I, I don't know that it could have gone much better. And OU has a tremendous track record of assistant coaches doing very well. Bud, Barry, Bob, all of those guys. Seven national championships, all legends. Okay, uh, speaking of Bob, he was on his YouTube channel, Coach Bob Stoops. Go subscribe. It's good. And uh, Bob is still raving about the Brent Venables hire. I just love it. Uh, first and foremost, he's a dear friend, and I know it's going to be great and special for he and, and Julia's wife and their kids. Uh, and then selfishly, because I love OU. I, this is an absolute perfect fit for us. This guy, you know, Brent has... You know, years of great experience, not just experience, great experience of the, uh, being on the ground floor of building Kansas State, being on the ground floor of building Oklahoma back, uh, you know, like we did in 99 through Brent was here through, I think, 2004 or five. Uh, so, um, you know, he knows how to do it. And then he's had 10 years at Clemson where they've been doing it as well or better than everybody. You know, they've been the top, other than Alabama, it's been Clemson and Alabama the last eight, 10 years as much as anybody. So he's seen what they're doing now to advance their programs, which I believe he can help bring here and advance us. There you go. Yeah, Bob keeps hitting that note, and I think he's right. You know, for all of us, it is the people you come in contact with and learn lessons from that are influential in your life moving forward. And when you talk about Brent, Bill Snyder, arguably the greatest coaching job in college football history, the Manhattan Miracle. Bob Stoops, like I said, all he did was resurrect. It was a Lazarus deal. I mean, they pushed back the rock and Sooner football is back uh, because they were in a very bad spot um, with uh, after Schnellenberger and Blake. Um and then you look at Dabo, and we've kind of talked about Clemson being new money as one of the blue blood programs, and they always had potential. And there was the Clemson was Clemsoning became an adjective because Clemson couldn't quite live up to their potential. They did win a national championship with Danny Ford as the head coach back in uh, 1980, but uh, they have been, as Bob said, I mean, royalty in college football for nearly a decade now. So those are three pretty good guys to pull from in terms of you know, your philosophy. And I think with Bob, obviously Brent has tremendous respect for Bob. Toughness, organization, all of that. And then learn some different things from Dabo. Uh, Brent was on Sirius XM College Radio with uh, Dusty and Danny Cannell over the weekend. And he they asked him about what Dabo meant, and he started getting emotional talking about Dabo. And then uh, from Coach Sweeney, man, he's, for me, transformationally um, in so many ways probably has had the biggest impact in uh, 
the man, the husband, the father, uh, the coach, uh, again, uh, and, you know, in my spirit, uh, he, he um, believed in me at a time when, um, at times I could, I was having a hard time believing in myself and, um, he, there was, he had no reason. He had no reason to believe in me, but he did anyway. You all right, so, coach? Um, but he, he, yeah, I'm good. But he, uh, um, helped me connect, uh, in ways that, uh, I didn't know were possible. Uh, yeah, I'm just so thankful for his friendship and, uh, really the Clemson, the whole Clemson, um, com- community family have been, um, we've gotten way more out of it than we put in. And, uh, I'll, I'll forever be grateful there you go. That is a high-class individual right there. Yeah, that is the type of man that is qualified to be a leader of men. Well, and the, and the thing about uh, with Brent is, you know, he's he's very candid there, very honest when he's talking about when, when he left Oklahoma, it was not a great situation. I mean, I don't think people, you know, despise Brent Venables or anything, but no. they were struggling on defense, and Mike was coming back, and Brent's – more than anything else, because there's all this talk, well, he's going to be demoted or whatever. No, no. It, it, this was Brent's decision, and obviously there was some frustration there. There's no doubt, because they weren't, uh, you know, I don't know if it was they just got a little bit stagnant or what. But so he went, got another start with Dabo, took tremendous advantage of that, and became probably the best defensive coordinator in college football in the last decade or so and you know what was i think the most crucial part of what brent venables expressed in that one minute snippet from the interview is the fact that he was grateful to clemson for all that it provided him and everything that it gave him over the decade that he was there now you contrast that with mule shoes comments on what oklahoma provided for him Well, again, he was given the keys to a luxury automobile and, uh, you know, decided that, you know what, I'm tired of this, uh, this Bentley. I'm going to go find a Ferrari out in L.A. Uh, anyway, uh, people are uh, still the OU, fan- <laughs> the OU fans on Twitter are killing me because it got so bad when L.R. Muleshoe would tweet something out because, you know, they were like, man, we're so excited, coach. These recruits. They're calling us now. We got to get you out there, get some pictures out there with these recruits. And every time he'd send one, the OU fans absolutely destroyed the the tweets. He gets every ratioed oh, every my, single day. You know, I mean, and it's it's a it's about as bad a ratio as you can get. It's like Mike Tyson knocking you out in the first round. It's just boom. So then he turns off the comments, right? Mm-hmm. So they start putting him on the USC football sites account. <laughs> they destroy him there, too. I mean, wherever they go, the OU fans are following along. OU fans and, are And, you know, some, some people would say, oh, come on, that's imminent. You know what? I still think it's funny right now. You know what Brett Venables has that Muleshoe doesn't? Class. It's humility. Humility. A willingness to acknowledge that, hey, I had people – and programs pour a lot into me to mm-hmm. get to where I am today. You've, you've never heard Muleshoe say anything to that effect of what we just heard Brent Venables tell Dusty Dvorak and Danny Cannell. Yeah, I, you know, uh, 
I, when Brent was here the first time around, you just remember high energy guy, very uh, you know animated over there in the sidelines. Obviously, part of a national championship season in two thousand, and you just saw man, this guy's all about it. He's very impressive. Uh, you you knew that he was a coaching star, you know, as an assistant. But um, something about him again, I think it was good for you know. Sometimes it's good to go out and seek a new path. And uh, learn some other lessons from people in your profession. And uh, like I said, when you talk about Bill Snyder and Bob Stoops and Dabo Swinney, uh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Like I said, Bill Snyder never won a national championship. But he may have been the architect of the greatest coaching job in college football history. So, amazing. All right, we got a break right here. This hour presented by our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. Mule shoe running away from the SEC. The SEC came out, flexed its muscles, and Mule shoe ran out to the left coast. Out there to hang around with Gavin Newsom and the hippies and all those people out in L.A. breathing smog and paying high taxes. Good luck to you and good riddance. Coming right back on The Ref. All your life, all your life, all your best with your daddy gonna talk to you. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Hey, Porter. Hey, Porter. You tell me the time. How much longer will it be to we cross that Mason Dixon line? That song always brings a smile to my face. It's a catchy tune. The man in black. Just a legend, no doubt about it. Porter Moser as the Sooners at 9 and 2 in uh, Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. The Sooners are in as an 8 seed right now. And uh, I think the uh, on the strength of that victory over Arkansas, which was nice, and uh, over the weekend yesterday in a, a rare Sunday game, the Sooners beat UTA 70-50. to Mo Gibson, 14 points, 4 of 8 from 3. Also had a great rebounding game. Tanner Grove, 13.6 boards, 12 for Jalen Hill, 5 of 5 from the floor. The Sooners held UTA to 34% shooting, and it took like seven minutes for uh, – UT Arlington to score in the game. So OU was locked in defensively, and now they get ready for Alcorn State coming, o'clock, coming up 7 o'clock on uh, Wednesday at the LNC. This is such a refreshing OU basketball team to watch, isn't it? Because no longer is it – and not that there was anything wrong with – Lon Kruger's Oklahoma teams, but you know, it was always Buddy Heald or Trey Young or Austin Reeves dropping a 40 piece. And if that were, if that were to happen, then Oklahoma would beat a big time opponent. But more often than not, at least thus far in the Porter Moser era, it's just four or five guys chipping in 10 to 15 a piece. They're playing good team basketball all the way around. They're playing scrappy defense and they're nine and two. I think, I think my prediction on their non-conference record heading into the season, Mike was eleven and two. I'm pretty sure it's thirteen non-conference games, uh, if I recall correctly. So that was that was why I said if you get if you're eleven and two out of non-conference play, you're feeling pretty dang good yeah. if you're Porter Moser and company. And it's all right there for the Sooners. They can finish eleven and two in non-conference as they head into Big Twelve play. You have Alcorn State again on Wednesday, and isn't it Auburn in the uh, Big Twelve SEC Challenge? I think I believe so. Yeah, so. Yeah, they've got a chance to get it done. And, uh, you know, I just – they're 
defense, defense first, man. I, I love what Porter Moser's bringing. You know, how alike does it seem like the uh, the football coach and the basketball coach are now, right? <laughs> that was exactly my first thought when I found out that Brent Venables was going to be hired, Mike. I was like, wow, Josie's last two coaching hires are strikingly similar because Brent Venables is just football Porter Moser. Or if you want to say Porter Moser is basketball Brent Venables, it works either way. But those are two guys that coach way younger than they actually are. They're both high energy. They both love defense. And they're both just good, upstanding, high-character individuals. There are so many similarities between those two. And I would imagine Brett Venables will have a lot of the same immediate success that Porter Moser is experiencing at Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. All right, uh, the problem is the Big 12, man. It's the Big 12. It's Division I basketball. It ain't intramurals. Baylor's number one in the country. Iowa State is off to an unbelievable start. They're 11-0 now. West Virginia's good. KU's good. Texas is good. Texas Tech's pretty good. Um, You know, Mike, that Iowa State team won two basketball games last year. Yeah. Two basketball games. It's they amazing. were winless. They're number in Big nine play. in the country right now. They were winless in Big Twelve play a year ago, and now they are a top ten team and undefeated after a month and a half of TJ Otzelberger. That is one of the most impressive turnarounds I've ever witnessed. They beat Memphis. Uh, Memphis has been a little bit overrated. Uh, no doubt they've got a lot of talent. They beat a Xavier squad that's uh, not too bad. They beat Iowa. Uh, you know, and you look at, you know, it's a, a Oregon State was in the uh, in the Final Four last year, um, or was it a regional final for Oregon State? Uh, they they came a game away yeah. from the Final Four. Yeah, they, so, they made it to the Elite Eight. I mean, and look, they, they beat Creighton. It's not like all of these. I mean, they have uh, mixed in between Kennesaw State, Alabama State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Jackson State in southeast Louisiana. You have games with Iowa. They won at Creighton. Not an easy place to win. They beat Memphis. They beat Xavier. They beat Oregon State. So they've done an excellent job. So, But um, this Oklahoma team, Porter Moser's done a, a really good job with. And, uh, again, next up is Alcorn State at 7 o'clock uh, Wednesday night at the Lloyd Mill Center. What, is the, uh, what do you think about the atmosphere in the LNC? It seems like, uh, seems like it's been pretty good so far. It I know really the has. have turned out. Turned up and turned out. Attendance is much improved. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, Air Comfort Solutions tax line, 405-651-3439. Again, 405-651-3439. What do we have? Via the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. Uh, Let's see, what's a good one? Did any coach ever get more out of the talent he recruited than Bill Snyder? I would say no. And that's the lineage that Brent Venables comes from. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and I can remember the way they went about this. It was junior college a lot at first, uh, scheduling very soft in the non-conference, and then eventually as they built, they built confidence, you know, among their roster. Uh, And people would say, well, who's Kansas State playing? Nobody. Nobody. But then eventually they brought, you know, teams like Auburn and USC. They started playing better competition. But Bill Snyder was uh, – he was amazing. He was really amazing. Mike and Parker, says one of our listeners, my friends and I will forever re- refer to Mule Shoes Treachery as the December double cross. I like it, but it actually <laughs> happened in November. 
Yeah. November 28th is the date that will live in infamy in Sooner Lore. Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> and then I see this big uh, write-up on ESPN about what's going on. With, uh, just, I, I, I really am trying to get over the anger, and I know it's not healthy, but it just still drives me insane. And the thing that drives me insane about it is, again, all of the, uh, the deception. Because, again, this had to have been going on behind the scenes for a while. And how many times did we look at that Oklahoma football team and go, man, what is going on? What in the wide, wide world of sports is it going on out there? Time and time again. And then we thought, man, next week, surely they can't be, you know, that's not going to happen next week. And then the next week it would happen again. And especially the Kansas game. I mean, that team got off the bus, and they looked totally Did they unprepared. get off the bus? Barely. And then <laughs> and then they had, uh, you know, the bye week where, all right, well, it's a bye week. Baylor, man, they're going to be sharp. First three plays, they got smothered by the Baylor defense. That, was, uh, th- that first drive of the Baylor game was the worst opening drive I've ever seen at any level of football. And not only that, they, got, they were so out-toughed in that game, you know, um, because we believe that Benny Wiley was having them do yoga and Pilates. Most of the time, correct? Benny Wiley. Well, <laughs> oh, the thing is, see, USC is listening to all the uh, press conference snippets of Muleshoe saying, we're going to build a big, mus- muscular, physical football team out here in Southern California. And they're like, yeah, finally, finally, we have a coach that's committed to building beasts. And OU fans are sitting there laughing like, mm, they have no idea what they're in for. <sighs> Who does USC open with next year? That's what I need to see because I need to go get a hoodie to support whoever they open with next year. One of our listeners says, let's move Thanksgiving to November 28th. Best thing that could have happened is for that soft brand of football to leave before we got to the SEC. (laughs) What are you thinking now in terms of uh, OU and Texas to the SEC? Because everybody initially thought, you know what? This is a one-year deal. That's the history of how these things go down. It's clearly not going to happen next year unless something drastically changes. So what about 2023? 2023. I, you still think 2023? I think that's when it happens. That makes the most sense. There are some people out there who believe, you know what? Uh, with the pandemic and everything, oh, you can't afford to pay the buyout right now. Um, maybe Texas can, but not OU. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but some people have that opinion. The USC's opener mm-hmm. is against Rice, as a couple of our listeners Go have Owls! Out. <laughs> Everybody's on the Rice bit. Like, imagine how much interaction Rice's football Twitter account is going to get on that day. Like, Rice will – you'd make the very legitimate argument Rice will be the most popular football team in America on opening day next year. Because every single OU fan – even if it's absurd to believe that Rice will win that game, every single OU fan will be pounding the table rooting for Rice. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, somebody asked me again the other day, you know, you think this is worse than uh, Kevin Durant, and why is that? And I said, well, because Oklahoma football, the roots of Oklahoma football are much deeper than Thunder basketball. And, it's true. Um, you know, that's been a part of people's lives around here forever. It's generational. Thunder basketball is not yet, uh, you know, and 
it's just been ingrained in the Oklahoma culture that college football is huge. And not everybody in the state is clearly an Oklahoma fan. There are a lot of Cowboy fans out there, and they're just as uh, fanatic as the Sooner fans are. But for OU fans to see somebody leave the way he did and take what they consider as a job that's not as good as Oklahoma right now, that potentially can be, again, a great job, they don't understand that. And I do think there is a little bit still ingrained in everybody in this state even if you don't remember the Dust Bowl or the Grapes of Wrath or whatever, that Oklahomans were kind of laughed and snickered at, right? Everybody had to move out of California. Here come the dumb Okies, you know. That's where the Okies came from. Uh, and they were the hillbillies who came out to California, you know. And it gave people in the state of Oklahoma something to be proud of when Bud started winning a bunch of national championships. And they had something to rally around. And that's still ingrained in a lot of people here. And that's why when Lincoln Riley did OU dirty like that, they are, they're not going to forgive him. I mean, they may forgive him down the road, but again, they're never going to will. Not going to forget. I don't think they will. Not going to forget. It's going to be a long time. You think Lincoln Riley will ever be introduced at halftime? And there is zero chance. Good. He will never again be welcome on that Oklahoma canvas. His like, there, name there would will be never riots be again. There would be riots. There would be. Yes. It was Sunday, Bloody Sunday. One of the darkest days in Sooner history. But turned into a bright, shining light of Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, and Jerry Schmidt. You remember when Tennessee had to cancel hiring Greg Schiano because the fans revolted? Mm-hmm. That would be what happened if oh, you ever decided to bring Lincoln Riley back, even just to wave his hand at midfield during halftime. The fans would revolt. Uh, I'm with you. That's not going to happen. All right. We got John Williams, Sooners Wire, presented by USA Today up next. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, making the hour possible here on the ref, the home of Sooner fans. And we're coming right back. This is your home for Sooner fans, the ref sports radio network. All right, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for bringing us uh, hour number two here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref on a Monday. I hope your Monday's going all right. We welcome in the uh, – did we go with the composer or the conductor? I, I forgot again. I think we were going with the composer. The composer, ladies and gentlemen, John Williams, Sooner's Wire, presented by USA Today. All right, John, so we are nine days out from the Sooner's Alamo Bowl game with Oregon. Uh, you know, you, we've gone through the early signing period. There are a lot of recruiting rumors out there. Kobe McKenzie, you know, letting people know with the lock emoji, more help is on the way. What is the thing you're focused on most right now with Sooner football with all this stuff going on? Well, it's definitely recruiting, and it seems like Kobe McKenzie is taking on the Caleb Williams role from last season, where he's just bringing a bunch of guys with him, or at least he's trying to, and it's and it's exciting. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, you look at 247 Sports uh, team recruiting rankings, and after the Lincoln-Riley uh, departure, Oklahoma fell to as low as 27th in the country in, in the team rankings. And to be able to climb back into the top 10 and still have some, some potential players to add in the next you know, couple months 
it's pretty it's pretty remarkable turnaround and and it's a, a credit to just Bob Stoops, you know, the assistant coaches DeMarco Murray, Joe John Finley, uh Kale Gundy, Bill Beatenbow, and then the the transition that took place bringing in the new staff uh to be able to bring this this recruiting class back around and and really salvage it into what looks like it's going to be a really good group. Now, John, as you look at the early returns from the uh, from the Brent Venables era, at least as it pertains to the recruiting trail, who would you say is the one biggest fish? If you had to look at the guys that have committed thus far since Brent Venables took the reins, who do you think makes the biggest splash for Oklahoma and why? Well, I'm looking at Jaden Gibson, the wide receiver out of Florida. I love this guy's game. Now, he's a tall dude. He's 6'5", but he doesn't necessarily play – reliant on that height he's a guy that's got really solid route running he's got really deceptive speed if you look at some of just uh, his games and what he's put on film he just looks like he's kind of just doing his thing and all of a sudden he's blown by the cornerback and he's beyond the secondary making plays down the field uh he he runs a really really nice post route skinny post he's also able to make plays after the catch you know catching you know short curl routes you know, turning his guys around and beating them uh, just with his quickness and, and elusiveness. The other guy I'm really excited about is Alton Tarber, uh, the, the big defensive tackle. He is the guy that's going to move mountains for the Oklahoma defensive front. I'm loving what Brent Venables is doing with that interior defensive line where they're looking for stout guys. They're going to play really, really strong at the point of attack that allows the, the fast linebackers and the athletic linebackers that Oklahoma has to be able to get downhill or get sideline to sideline, being able to play a little bit cleaner. So those are the two guys that I'm most excited about watching uh, in the future with the Oklahoma Sooners. John Williams, Sooners Wire, presented by USA Today, joining us on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma tax resolution line here on the ref. Okay, so the uh, staff for Brent Venables is nearly complete. You need a cornerbacks coach and you need a defensive line coach. There's a lot of talk that uh, one of those positions uh, could very well be filled by somebody on a staff that is involved in a playoff matchup. Uh, I want to ask both of you guys, what do you think is happening with those two other spots? Well, if I'm Brent Venables, I'm really, really trying to see if I can get Michael Reed out of Clemson. That guy just knows how to coach cornerbacks. And I think that's going to be an important position for Oklahoma. Obviously, we know the offenses that are prevalent in the Big 12. They know how to throw the football. And even against a team like Oklahoma State with a quarterback like Spencer Sanders, who has had a very up-and-down career, uh, he was able to throw on Oklahoma at times. And so you've got to find somebody that's going to be able to take the talent that Oklahoma does have and try to get it to the next level. And now for me, Mike, I would say that, you know, I, I think the common – uh, feeling right now surrounding the eventual cornerbacks coach hire is that it's a guy that is coaching in the playoffs right now, as you kind of touched on. Uh, and you're looking at three names, if that's the case. Uh, three real big players, which would be Steve Klinkscale of Michigan, Jamila Dye of Georgia, and then Jay Valai of Alabama. I think any way you go with one of those three, you're bringing in an elite recruiter and a guy who is well-respected. And so uh, the the fact that Oklahoma could potentially steal a positional coach from a playoff team, I think that speaks to Brent Venable's scope of influence more than anything else. The fact that you're talking about guys that are currently in the same position at their current schools, willing to go out of their way to join what Brent Venables is building at Oklahoma, I think that says a lot about Venables' vision and the way that he's been able to sell his uh, I guess his goals for the future of the Oklahoma football program to the eventual hire. 
All right, guys. Uh, John Williams is with us. Sooners Wire brought to you uh, by USA Today. Um, there's no way to figure out what's going to happen in this Alamo Bowl, is there? No, I mean, there's I not. I don't even know how you can almost put a line on this thing. Eight-man football. I mean, Make it's, it happen. it's just crazy to think. But uh, I, I do think, again, it's cool that uh, Cale Gundy will be calling the offense, Brian Odom calling the defense, and, you know, he's – he followed Mule Shoe out to USC. I don't blame him one bit, but I think it's cool that he's coming back to do this. So, any gut feeling, John, on what we might see in San Antonio a week from Wednesday night? I'm kind of with you. It's hard to say exactly what you're going to see, but I think you're going to see a fired-up team that's ready to go out and play. I think you've heard it from a lot of guys that they're excited to play for Bob Stoops. You know, whether, whether it was the guys that were recruited by him that are still around, or the kids that grew up watching him as the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. I think there's a lot of people that are really going to come in to this game really looking forward to playing in the Alamo Bowl. And, and to me, I'm, I'm treating it kind of like a preseason game you might in the NFL where you're going to get to see a lot of young guys who may not have gotten a full you know, complement of snaps uh, during the regular season. So I'm looking at maybe seeing Billy Bowman get back to playing a full load of snaps and seeing if he can bounce back from what was kind of an up-and-down freshman year Looking forward to watching Danny Stutzman, you know, now that you know, Brian Osamoa has declared and opted out. Uh, and then Reggie Grimes on the edge. I mean, that's a guy that's played a really, really solid season with Isaiah Thomas and Nick Bognito not playing. He's going to get a lot of opportunity to play some significant snaps for the Oklahoma Sooners. So I'm really excited to see what the future holds, and I think that's, that's kind of where this game um, has a lot of intrigue for me, is what do, you, what do the young guys do in this game without the, the strong veteran presences that are on their way to the NFL draft. Bob Stoops hasn't lost a game as a head coach in over five years. I'm just saying. <laughs> now, John, uh, down the stretch here for Oklahoma in terms of recruiting, as you look at the guys that either haven't announced their signing yet or aren't going to sign until February on National Signing Day, who, if you had to pinpoint one guy, who do you think is the biggest fish that's still in the pond that Oklahoma has very good odds to reel in? It's Devon Campbell, the offensive lineman, number one offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, sorry, uh, that's currently debating between uh, uh, Oklahoma and Texas. If they're able to land him, that, that'd be a huge coup for this 2022 recruiting class. And you add him uh, to Jacob Sexton and Jake Taylor, and that's a really, really strong foundation for that offensive line moving forward. But, again, going back to the defensive interior, you know, much like Alton Tarver, I'm really excited about the potential of Ahmad Moten, uh, just another big, strong dude that's able to move guys in the middle uh, to hold up at the point of attack and, and make it difficult to run on the inside. And I feel like at times we really underestimate. I talked to Tony Casillas in the spring, and he, he really em- emphasized with me how important it is to have really strong defensive tackle play to help your linebackers. And I, I think we've seen it at times with – Oklahoma's interior, but we haven't seen guys that are like legit run stuffer defensive tackles and guys that are going to be able to take on double teams, shed those, those blocks and make plays. And I'm excited about these two young guys. Now it's a matter of getting in, getting strength and and building their bodies to be able to hold up against college offensive lines. But those are the two guys I'm really really looking at that that maybe they have a chance to land. And and if they're able to, I think that's huge for this recruiting class. And again, and Devon Campbell, if they can add him on the interior, that's going to be a monster, monster offensive line moving forward. John, we appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, guys. Same to you. Appreciate all you've done uh, during the season. We will talk to you uh, before the bowl game comes.
Sounds good. Talk to you soon. John Williams, Sooners Wire, presented by USA Today. Our thanks to our friend Seth Wadley and the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. Riverwind Casino, don't forget... They've got great promotions happening. Uh, some of the holiday promotions have ended, but how about on New Year's Eve where they're at least giving out $145,000 in cash bonus play and prizes, including $100,000 in the red carpet rollout. That's the big drawing. New Year's Eve from 6 to 1130. You'll have your same amount of winners out there. You always do for the great Friday night promotions. And this New Year's Eve promotion, again, Five and a half hours, three patrons' names drawn out every half hour. You'll have a great chance to win, win your share of $100,000 in cash bonus play. And then at uh, just before the strike of midnight, four grand prize winners will be selected to win over $2,000 in cash and $2,000 in bonus play. And one grand prize winner will be selected to win over $20,000 in cash and five grand in bonus play plus any unclaimed cash. So at least... $25,000. Riverwind, they always do it with class. They always do it right. The red carpet rollouts on New Year's Eve. Get out there. We'll be right back. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. That's such a great song. Love it, love it, love it. Welcome back. Sublime is what it is. All right. Uh, Tulsa gave up a uh, touchdown on the opening kickoff, but they came back. Ooh, yeah, first first uh, play of the game, the opening kickoff. Tulsa lets the Monarchs of Old Dominion run it back for a TD, and then uh, Tulsa bounced back with a seven-play, 74-yard drive. Shamari Brooks, five-yard touchdown run, or I'm sorry, one-yard touchdown run. And uh, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, where we had Kelly Hines on not uh, long ago during our first hour, is all tied at seven apiece. All right, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder in action tonight at Memphis. It was uh, quite the thriller Saturday night for OKC against the L.A. Clippers. On to Muscala, back to the basket, looking to distribute. Finds Shea, Shea steps back on the three, on the run! SGA with the winner at the buzzer. Uh, he had a nice night. Lou Dort also was great with 29 points. Josh Kitty, Giddy was a monster on the boards. He nearly had the triple-double. Eight points, 18 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, Paul George did not play in the game for the Clippers, out with the uh, elbow injury. Uh, Aaron Wiggins started in place of Darius Baisley, had five points in 18 minutes. Darius Baisley was the sixth man, had 10 points. Uh, in 24 minutes was the first guy off the bench. So the Thunder at the Grizzlies tonight in Memphis. The last time these two teams played, OKC lost by 73. An NBA record 73-point loss. And they didn't have Josh Giddy or SGA that night. So we'll see what happens. I, I would I would feel comfortable saying it probably won't be a 73-point beatdown. Uh, they have... Denver at home on Wednesday night at the Paycom Center. Thursday, they'll go to Phoenix to play the Red Hot Suns. And then Sunday, back home against New Orleans. So a busy week for the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
All right, Marvin Mims, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there was a little worry about Marvin Mims, right? There was. Maybe. There was. As and to whether he would hit the transfer portal or he not. Is, uh, he's looks like he's feeling good about Oklahoma in his uh, Zoom presser the other day meeting the media. He says he likes the holdovers and the newcomers on the OU offensive staff. I mean, there's a lot of interaction with those guys over my two years being here, especially Coach Murray. And um, Coach Gundy, but um, having Coach Levy come is a, I think it's a huge plus for this program, especially um, with his experience, his resume, the things he's done at other colleges. I mean, that's something that's a huge positive. He's also an alumni to this school, so that's another positive for us as a program. But um, I've talked to him a couple of times. He's a really cool guy. I love his personality. I love how he is, his character, and um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. All right, so uh, the Sooners staff is. Uh, Close to completion. Again, a D-line coach, cornerbacks coach. And, uh, you know, maybe one of the biggest coaching hires they've made, Schmitty. You used to have to say one word that exudes <laughs> physicality, toughness, and fear. If your name is one Schmitty. word, right? Yes. That means you uh, you got some status. Now, most of the time, if there's like a, a Schmitty in your elementary school, it's probably, you know, Schmitty. But this is Schmitty, the Schmitty, Jerry Schmidt. Is Marvin Mims ready? And what has he heard about these Jeremy Schmidt workouts coming? I mean, I've definitely heard stories about him, things he's put players through. And I think it's going to push this program to a new level, definitely, especially the players on this team. It's going to build us to a mental strength that we've never really been to before, I'm pretty sure. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I say that now, and then in the middle of workout, I'll probably be dying, probably be hurting, all that type of stuff. It'll be good for us in the, end, in the long run. There you it go. will be good in the end because they, don't, they ain't going to be soft when they get to the old Southeastern Conference. You can't be a whiny little soy boy and play in playing the SEC. Well, I guess they have some at Vanderbilt, but you know what I'm saying. Well, Vanderbilt doesn't really play in the That's SEC. right. And the Vandy kids are like, you know what? I'm going to be making millions once I get out of here with the education that I get at Vanderbilt. So call me a whiny little soy boy. That's fine. But I do think that um, it's going to be a wake-up call. And look, we've been joking about Benny Wiley. I- I'm sure Benny Wiley's workouts were strenuous. But I don't think there is a difference between playing – you know, a really good, like, PGA course, like, I, I don't know, Firestone or something, and then going to play Oakmont with U.S. Open conditions. And that's how I compare them. Jerry Schmidt is a tough U.S. Open course. Started the show with golf, ended the show with golf. Charlie Woods, double-digit major winner. There is no doubt about it. Ryan Hibble, just imagine Charlie Woods. Out there at your golf facility, like a Bedlam Ryder Cup events, Charlie Woods would bring in, I would say, probably millions. Let's do it. All right, thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, and we've got Teddy and Tyler up next, The Rush, right here on The Ref. Have a great Monday.